What up, world? It's your past first point guard and trailblazers reporter, Mike Richmond, and you are listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Make this show your first listen every single day. The only daily Trailblazers podcast coming at you every single weekday. So start your day with Locked On Blazers as your very first listen. The first day of free agency or... The official start of free agency was today, 3 p.m. Pacific time. Things got started, but they really got started before that. When Kevin Durant reportedly met with Brooklyn Nets owner Joe Tsai and asked for a trade out of Brooklyn, meaning that Kevin Durant is going to probably get traded here, maybe get traded here. I guess he's under contract for four more years. They don't have to trade him here in the next couple weeks. Kyrie Irving likely to follow suit and the Nets could look very, very, very different. And because of that, I think there's been some stuff on hold with maybe the other dominoes to fall. No deal. You know, the, whatever happens with the Suns, because reportedly, uh, Kevin Durant wants to go to Phoenix. And so a DeAndre Ayton sign and trade to Brooklyn could be what's next in the mix. But there's a bunch of other dominoes that could fall too. And I think some of those dominoes potentially could impact the Blazers. That was what got things started. But then, you know, things got rolling and they got rolling quickly. There were almost 30 reported deals in the first 30 minutes. I want to talk about uh, free agent stuff from a Blazers perspective, but I want to set the stage by being like a massive ripple effect. Um, started when Kevin Durant asked for a trade. When Kevin Durant asked for a trade, the whole the whole sort of dynamic of the league shifted because everyone has to watch and reconsider and call Brooklyn and figure it the hell out what they're going to do, right? And and um and then figure out if if what what the sort of the ripple is from if if Durant goes here and this goes here, what are other teams going to do? Okay, this team that was going to be in play for this is you know, it's like Durant is a seismic shift in the league. I was talking with a friend actually earlier today. It was like, is Kevin Durant, if he gets traded, the best player to be traded since Kareem in 1975? I mean, the other that came to mind when we were just sort of brainstorming this word, like uh, Anthony Davis, but Kevin Durant's better than he was when he got traded to the to Lakers, and Shaq when he got traded to the Heat in, in 2005. Like, it's a short list of of people who are as good as KD who switch teams via trade like this. It is it is very 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 rare, uh, and it'll it'll shake up the league. But the Blazers the Blazers are not going to be very unlikely. Let's say that very very unlikely at this stage to be involved in a in a Kevin Durant sign and trade. One, this is like not his preferred destination. Two seemingly they've already made their move and agreed to sign Anthony Simons. Simons would undoubtedly be involved in a trade for Kevin Durant. There is no Blazers trade that doesn't involve, you know, Shaden Sharp and Anthony Simons, probably Josh Hart, like good basketball players going back to Brooklyn. Um, Maybe not, maybe not specifically Josh Hart because maybe they need Eric Bledsoe's money to make the money work. And then if you include Hart, then they got to throw in uh, Seth Curry. And do they want to do that? It's like it gets a little bit dicey, but certainly Shaden Sharp and Anthony Simons and Nazir Little are gone when that trade, if that trade were to go down. So, but Anthony Simons has agreed to come back to the Blazers and, and it was reported as sort of, you know, 
not as moments into free agency. Um, this stuff's hard to track. I, I want to be clear. Uh, typically, typically, I want to give credit to reporters who report stuff, uh, and I'll do my best here. But the but who got it first between Shamstrani of the Athletic and Adrian Wojnarowski of of ESPN is. It's hard. It's hard at the speed that it goes in. But the first person I saw report it was Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN. So I said, said, Ant is coming back, baby. Four years, $100 million. Uh, why this is important, like, for we'll talk all about the Ant stuff here in this first segment. But, like, if the Blazers were in the Kevin Durant sweepstakes, you would think that maybe they wouldn't have agreed to this contract with Anthony Simons. Or if you're really into tinfoil hat stuff... The reason why Amphrey Simons got a little more money than he was reportedly going to get is because he's going to be included in a future sign trade. I don't believe that, but I'm giving you a Tim Foyle hat thing. I think Ant's coming back. Like a, Occam's razor, simplest explanation is the easiest. The Blazers really value Amphrey Simons. They paid him like they really value him. They gave him $100 million, and he's going to be back and be part of the future. Everything is always pointed to them do this, doing this. Let's say no surprises. I mean, surprises are fun. Maybe there'll be some surprises. Come back next week. Next week, we'll have more shows. But the simplest simplest explanation is, is, is the easiest one, or is, is usually the most correct one. Anthony Simon's back in the mix, $100 million. And you might be saying, Mike, bruh. Maybe we're not that familiar. Maybe don't call me bruh. Maybe you call me sir. Say, sir, good sir. I thought he was only going to get an average annual value of like 20. The reporting was four for 80. And the guess here from this podcaster was four for 80 for so long, so long, so many, so many months, four for 80 seemed right in the range. I think two things happened. One, I don't know what the structure of the contract looks like. And I want to be clear. So many times the early first second of free agency numbers are way higher than the actual guaranteed money. So let's wait to fully, fully judge this until we get the, the details on all of the incentives baked in and all of the, the you know, um, unlikely incentives and likely incentives that Ant has to hit to reach 100. If it's just straight up $100 million, no nothing, we'll, we will, you know, we'll talk about that when it gets there. But, you know, at, at the time there was last year, I remember Zach Collins signed like a three for $34 million. Well, it turns out one of the years was guaranteed. There was a bunch of non-guaranteed guaranteed money. Uh, there was like, uh, you know, there was incentives for playing time and games played and all this stuff, right? Like it, it wasn't a $35 million contract at the time. It looks like the worst contract of the summer. And then it's like, Oh, right. Because reporting this and, and, um, you know, reporting the stuff's hard to do. So, but it's just part of the game. It's the part of the game that Shams and, and, and Woj are playing is that they're reporting for the agents and on the agent's behalf, and they're going to report as the biggest figure they possibly can. I think that is part of it. No, no doubt about it. We will see with the Ant stuff, but I think that I wouldn't be surprised if Ant got like $90 million guaranteed with up to a hundred or 85 with up to a hundred. If he hits certain benchmarks, I, that wouldn't surprise me one little bit. And the reporting was that Ant was going to get somewhere between 80 and $90 million over the course of four seasons. And if that's what it is, don't worry about it. If it is a hundred million dollars, here's the other explanation. One, Anthony Simons was so darn good at the end of the year that his agency was able to parlay that into saying, give him the reins. Like you really gave him the reins before clear out big minute, big minute, opportunities for him get cj mccollum out of his way carve out a starting spot Ant arrived and if you and we all know that he'd be underpaid at 20 so pay him for what his production looks like it can be pay him for what his production looks like it truly can be that's more than 20 million dollars annually i think that's part of it i also think jalen brunson got 
Anthony Simons paid. I think the New York Knicks and Jalen Brunson got Anthony Simons paid. I mentioned this when we were talking about in a show earlier this week. I believe it was Tuesday's show that posted in your feed. Is that was Anthony Simons going to get Jalen Brunson money? And I said, no, he's not. And Jalen Brunson reportedly, according to Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN, signed a four-year, $104 million deal with the New York Knicks. So guess what? Anthony Simons got Jalen Brunson money. Four million extra dollars over the course of four years, a million bucks a year more for, for Brunson. That... Simon's got the Brunson money. He got the Brunson money. He didn't, you know, he didn't get more. And maybe that's, that's important in, uh, um, it's more important in like football and stuff, but it's like perhaps meaningful to the Jalen Brunson camp that he's, you know, the highest paid guard that switches teams this year. Um, whatever that, whatever reward you get for being that. But I think with all of the stuff that was publicly out there on what Jalen Brunson was going to get for two and three and four days, that, that, that was, you know, it was like, okay, if Jalen Brunson is going to get $100 million a year or $100 million, $25 million a year, Ant's people and Ant's team says, look at that. Look at that. Do you think Amphrey Simons at the end of this contract is going to be better than Jalen Brunson is now? And if you say yes, you got the, the price just went up. Yesterday's price is not today's price. Jalen Brunson drove that price up and the Knicks drove that price up. So I, I think my take here is that, yeah, it's a slight overpay in like in general, based on perception of what Ant was going to be paid. But one, I don't think $5 million annually is like crazy. I don't think it's a crazy, like, um, it's it's not 35 million bucks. It's not in the 30s. It's it's more than I thought Ant was going to get. And it's maybe more than like what seemed like it was going to be a pretty good deal for him for, for 80. But again, the guaranteed money stuff. So yeah, I think it's a slight overpay. I don't think it's enough to say like, oh, this hamstrings the franchise forever. Ambry Simons got some money. He got some money and he maybe got a little more money than you thought. And certainly the Blazers are going to be pressed on the margins to um, to be a team that gets better. But if they pay Ant and they pay Nurk, and we'll talk about him in a moment because they haven't paid him yet, and they pay and they pay Dame like and and, and Jeremy Grant and all this stuff, it's like they're not going to be a cap space team for four years. It, it's we're talking about luxury tax bill, and you got to hope that the team is willing to pay a luxury tax bill. If they're not willing to pay a luxury luxury tax bill, it doesn't matter that Ant made five million dollars. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they're not willing to go deep. If they're not willing to be deep, big spenders, it doesn't matter if they are, if they are and Amphrey Simon's extra 5 million bucks in the luxury tax world becomes, you know, 17 million extra, extra million dollars. Yeah. Let's, we can say like, whoops, maybe you should have tried to get a little bit cheaper, but we'll see what Nurk's money comes in at. And maybe that's where the, maybe that's where the average comes out. That is assuming that Nurk, use of Nurkic comes back because y'all, Every Simons agreed to a deal moments into free agency. This was a done deal. And the perception was that from the outside and from me personally sitting in this chair was that Nurk was in a similar spot. And now we sit here today. I'm recording this after 945 on a Thursday evening um, and no news on Nurk. That, that chirping you here is the crickets who are just hanging out in Bosnia, the Bosnian Beast house in West Lynn like, when are we getting the money, dude? And that's the question that we're going to discuss in the th in the second segment. When is where's that money for use of Nurkic and what's the deal? But first, I want to tell you about Arcade One Up. Boom Shaka Laka. NBA Jam is back. Boom shakalaka, if you're familiar. Arcade 1UP, the leader in home retro arcade games, is not only bringing back the best basketball game ever, they've made it bigger with the Shaq Edition machine. Uh, 
NBA Jam rocks, and you can get it into your home thanks to the good folks at Arcade One Up. You can pre-order now from ArcadeOneUp.com. That's Arcade, the number one, up.com for an estimated early September ship date. Uh, Arcade One Up, like I said, is the place for classic games. If you don't want to play NBA Jam or you want to get some other games, Golden Tee, Mortal Kombat, and a bunch of others starting at just $399. But right now... Here's the real news. They're giving away an NBA Jam Shack Edition machine to a locked-on listener. So enter for a chance to win one of these consoles for your home. Go to arcade1up.com slash locked on. That's arcade, the number one, up.com slash locked on. You've got until July 8th to enter to win that NBA Jam Shack Edition console. All right. Amphrey Simons gets paid. But there's this kind of world out there where the NBA's, the force of the NBA is shaking a little bit. And part of me thinks that's why Yusuf Nurkic hasn't been paid yet. Not that I think Yusuf Nurkic is going to be signed and traded for Kevin Durant. But I think that there is a chance that sort of the larger massive shakeup that could be coming when Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant are traded from the Brooklyn Nets... Portland is trying to get involved in that in some form or fashion and potentially Yusuf Nurkic's money like contract could be used in a sign and trade to to allow the Blazers to sneak up in there some way, somehow. Or it's totally unrelated and the center market is not as frothy as as the as Yusuf Nurkic camp would have hoped. And so the big money for Nurk just isn't out there. You're pointing around to the centers in the market and you're saying, the most anyone's making is the mid-level Nurk. Like there isn't a 17, 18 million dollar contract just waiting for you. And we're that's not the market for centers right now. Like just straight up, that's not the market for centers. And then and that has caused an impasse. That 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 the that the ones like, oh yeah, Nurk's gonna get this, you know, just common raise. He's making twelve million dollars a year for the last four seasons. He signed a four for forty-eight contract, his first deal with the Blazers. His first that was coming off his rookie skill deal when he had um, you know, he had some injuries and all that, and and then he was really good and then he got injured again. Uh and and he comes in and you know gets four for forty-eight. And at the time, a really team-friendly deal. I think Nurk like when he was on the court, probably outperformed it, but was had some availability issues and probably made like totally reasonable. Nurk provided $48 million worth of basketball. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to wager. But the, the perception and the perception here, like shared here on this podcast, was that Nurk's can get a little, get a little bump, get a little raise. First troubles, like $15, 16000000 million a year. Uh, part of me looks out at what happened with other centers on the market and say, you know, you were maybe the best one out there, depending on what happens with Mitchell Robinson. But um, if it seems unlikely he's going to change teams, uh, like maybe you were the best non DeAndre Ayton center on the market. They're going to be the highest paid non non DeAndre Ayton center on the market, and that number is not seventeen million. And so that's why Nurkic hasn't been signed as of almost 1 a.m. back in the league offices in New York City, you know, at 10, almost 10 o'clock out here in Portland on, on the first night of free agency. It was expected by me uh, and I think some other reporters who uh, cited unnamed sources. And I'm like, I'm not citing unnamed sources. I am reading the tea leaves and just giving my best guess based on everything, the way the Blazers have done stuff and the way things went down is that Nurk was just earmarked for a deal. 
but him not being here, this is like a no news is weird news. No news is bad news. Uh, I don't, I, I'm, I'm a natural pessimist. If you listen to the podcast, you already know, but like I, I'm having trouble reading a, why hasn't Nurk signed day one for a team that doesn't have, that isn't going to be a cap space team other than there's a larger trade in the works, or there's just an impasse with the contract because it's just, it's the market has dictated that Nurk's just not worth what was seemed to be sort of the prevailing logic a little bit ago. There's some other, there's some forces working in both directions here though. Uh, Mo Bamba off the board for the mid-level exception. Isaiah Hardenstein off the board for the mid-level exception. Bamba stays in Orlando. Hardenstein goes to the New York Knicks. Andre Drummond off the board for a portion of the mid-level exception. Uh, Six million bucks goes to the goes to the Bulls. Uh, Damian Jones, your boy, one of your boys' favorite uh, minimum targets, heads to the Lakers. Uh, DeAndre Jordan hilariously signs with the Denver Nuggets in the opening moments of free agency. Uh, one of the uh, Probably the funniest deal of day one is that the Nuggets um, had already been in contact with DeAndre Jordan's people to add him to the team. <laughs> cool. Good for them. I'm happy for them. But the the rest of the market for the, like the Blazers for what they have to spend is just, um, it's weak, relatively weak. Like, like I mentioned, Mitchell, Mitchell Robinson of the Knicks, uh, you know, the Blazers could offer him mid-level money, but I think the Knicks would probably offer him more than that um, to and, and can legally offer him more than that to, like, come back. So he's probably not in their range. And then after you get behind, after after Nurk, and I think this is what's working in Nurk's favor, like, and if you, you know, if you can't get Mitch Robb with the mid-level money or you want to spend that mid-level money not on a center and on other places, we'll talk about that in the third segment, um, the centers available for the Blazers gets thin quick. It's... It's retreads, Robin Lopez and Hassan Whiteside. Bring them back. Um, neither of them are starting level players. Like you cannot start either of those dudes. Gorgie Jang, who's like borderline backup center, like had some real promise a couple years ago, really hasn't put it together since uh, since leaving Minnesota when he was briefly leading the NBA in three-point shooting for the T-Wolves. Uh, but like he's just, he hasn't been that dude since he's been, since he's, he's bounced around to San Antonio and Atlanta. Like he just hasn't that, that's not who he is. Uh, he's like a borderline backup center. D- Dwight Howard, who's like a good backup center, but for how long? And does he like, again, it's like, these are backups. These are bench centers. Nurk is Nurk and DeAndre Ayton and, and Mitch Robb are the best centers out there for sure. I'm not, they, they straight up can't afford Ayton. I don't think they can afford Mitchell Robinson. So the person they can afford is Yusuf Nurkic. And I think that's the tricky part. The other thing working in the opposite direction, in the Blazers' favor, is that the teams that have cap space and could sign Nurk into cap space could give him more than the mid-level exception, like the tool the Blazers have to lure other uh, to lure other free agents. Detroit, they don't need a big man. Uh, Orlando, Lord knows they don't need another center. Uh, and and Indiana, who has, you know, Miles Turner and a, a plethora of other fun power forward types that that fill in that spot. And and Goga Pataze, a backup center. Like, they don't need a big. They just don't need a big. So the teams that, like, with big old cap space to use, um, OKC's, like, not in the, that's not what they're doing. It's not in the market for veterans in that manner, um, unless you attach a future first-round pick to them. Uh, but that's not how free agency works. So, like, there isn't a market for Nurk. That helps it works in the Blazers' favor, but there isn't a really good crop of centers behind Nurk, and that's working in his favor. And so I think this gets done. That's why the read that maybe there's maybe Portland is being patient to see kind of how other big seismic moves pay out is probably closest to the right explanation. But it's it, you know it's 
it is surprising. Like I don't, my take, my take with Ant is like, wait and see. My take with Nurk is like, yeah, this is weird. This is weird. I thought this was going to be a done deal. I thought today's show was going to be about Nurk and Ant and back in the boat and here we go and blah, blah, blah. Here's what the Blazers can do. And now it's like, okay, Ant's here. He's got a little more money than we thought he would. Nurk is chilling, chilling. Like he, he's in town. Uh, he's been at the PF. Like, we'll see. <laughs> Uh, I think it's odd, um, but I think like the lack of centers behind Nurk uh, point to him probably coming back unless the Blazers are swinging a, a part of a larger trade that would net them a starting center because they absolutely, absolutely still need that. But it's maybe not what they're targeting. And I think that's interesting. I think from the reporting, sounds like the person who plays backup center is going to be on a minimum deal. Certainly not part of the mid-level exception. Um, this Portland has a plan or an or a type coming together. Let's talk about the type of player the Blazers are reportedly interested in in the, in the third segment to close out the show. Before we do that, let me tell you about Bet Online, the fastest and easiest place to bet on all of your sports action, all of it. All of it. Bet on Kevin Durant's next tra- next team he plays for. Bet on Kyrie Irving's next team. Bet on DeAndre Ayton's next team. If you don't want to bet on NBA offseason futures, all your in-season sports are there for you. Major League Baseball, the Ma- Major League Soccer, the National Women's Soccer League, tennis, golf, all your combat sports, whatever it is, you're going to find it. So head on over to Bet Online. It's Bet Online where the game starts. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond, you are still listening to Locked On Blazers. According to Jake Fisher Bleach Report, Portland's got their eyes on two dudes who absolutely do not have positions. Gary Payton II, that's the, the mitten, son of former Oregon State Beaver great and Oakland's finest, Gary Payton. Pride of the Pacific Northwest, Gary Payton. And Bruce Brown of, of the Brooklyn Nets. So Gary Payton to Bruce Brown. You might say, the Blazers don't need more guards, Mike. They don't need more guards. Neither of these dudes are guards. They're six foot four weirdos. Neither of them has a position. They are basketball players. Bruce Brown's best position is screener. Screener on offense. He sets screens, he rolls to the rim. That's what he's best at on offense. That's like what centers do. Gary Payton is a great screener. Screen for... Screen for uh, Steph Curry a whole bunch like that's how they incorporated him into the offense and then he's like a slasher um he's he's they're both role men as their best skill on the offensive end and on defense they can guard a lot of different spots they're basketball players way more than their guards and to me this says more about the type of basketball the Blazers see themselves playing than anything else uh according to Jake Fisher Bleach Report wonderful report wonderful reporter Jake Fisher um the Blazers have offered Gary Payton the bulk of their mid-level exception, a contract starting at $8 million a year, and that they're in on Bruce Brown should the Nets have it blow up and, and Bruce Brown is um, out of there. Uh, I'm sure that there's other, all of the other dominoes are going to fall in Brooklyn before that happens. Patty Mills has reportedly gone back to, to Brooklyn, and they also trade for Torian Prince, but, uh, but Brown is you know out there out there and kind of in limbo, right? Like in between, in between heading back to Brooklyn and piecing out, maybe following Kyrie and Kevin Durant, or maybe finding another like good team to be a part of, if not 
soaking up some leftover money depending on what the heck happens with the Nets. Like, I think there's just like for a guy like Brown, it's like he's got to kind of figure out his situation and go make the best of what it, what it can be because he's a role player type. Gary Payton is a great role player type, great role player, wonderful defender, a great role player on a really good basketball team. And it finally clicked for him. And I'm really happy that that a guy like Gary Payton, who was floating around the G League as like the best defensive player in the G League, finally got a chance to be a really good NBA player and is now going to potentially make, you know, eight million bucks annually from the Portland Trailblazers. But what does this say about Portland? Because I I think it's important to note, and I that's why I led with it. These guys aren't really guards. They're switchy, versatile defenders that play much bigger than they are, right? They can guard up in a couple sizes. They are screeners, not on-ball creators on offense. Um, they're less shooters and more facilitators of short roll type of stuff. They're center types. Like Bruce Brown, is, his best offense position is legitimately center, like small ball five, smallest ball five. And GP's not that far away from that. Um, Gary Payton the second is not that far away from that. So... What this says to me is about the, the style of basketball the Blazers want to play. In a perfect world, with Dame and Ants on the court, you need versatile versatile defenders to help them out. You need length. Like, they need Nurk back just for the size. But outside of that, the ability to play super small with, with or or just super switchy, rather. Not super small, but super switchy with, with guys like Nazir Little and Jeremy Grant and Gary Payton and, you know, potentially also Bruce Brown, depending on the price. Like, um, you conceivably the Blazers could get both. They could spend, you know, a portion of the biannual exception on Brown, depending on what his, what his market is, right? So conceivably they could get both, but it's switchy, versatile defenders who who muck up the game and play small. The Blazers watched the playoffs and they said, wings and versatile defender, defense, defensive players are the most valuable assets in the league. And we are going to target that, a type, a certain type, um, this sort of positionless, amorphous, athlete who can help but is not like not a guy who needs shots on offense not a guy who commands a lot on offense but brings it on defense and and offers like weirdness a funky weirdness that lets you play a little bit different on the offensive end while offering some versatility on the defensive end this is a type and the ability to play small and play funky and switch and do the things that Chauncey Billups' scheme in theory wants to do which is like play really aggressive defense and show and trap and recover or sometimes don't don't you know show a little bit softer and then and then sprint back and get to your man and stay in front or just straight switch like we saw late in the season a lot less blitzing and trapping from Chauncey Billups's defenses and more just kind of like switching one through four and showing showing high to the ball with the big with the center when they had a traditional center in there and then recovering or when they played a little smaller switch one through five this is a switch one through five type moves in a, in a league that's heading in that direction defensively. Gary, Gary Payton II and Bruce Brown offer you that versatility. I think that the fact that those are reportedly the Blazers' targets give you a sense of the type of basketball they want to play, which might also be why they don't want to give Yusuf Nurkic the money he thought he was going to get. If they want to play less with a traditional center and more small ball five stuff, uh, Jeremy Grant has played a little small ball five. Like you could, they could go super wacky small um, with 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 Grant and and Nas and and Gary Payton um, and Justice Winslow. Like they could go wacky small but big, and that's the real advantage. Like you don't give up a lot of strength, and you still are pretty long, but you're switchy and good and good on defense. Like that's a type. 
that's a type. Justice Winslow kind of fits that mold. In theory, Nazir Little could eventually fit that mold. I think uh, Grant's ability to guard threes and fours and maybe play a little bit of small ball five, like he fits that mold as well. This is where they want to be. You are seeing it um, at least come together. I think they add Nurk back, but between him not getting a contract and reportedly who else they're they're interested in, I think you get a sense of Portland's overall feeling about the center position. It doesn't mean that Nurk won't be back. It doesn't mean that Nurk's not going to get a long-term contract. But I, I I think I think we're seeing a little bit behind the curtain. I think we are we are we are paying a little bit of attention to the man behind the curtain. If you get that reference, you really are of a certain age. Um, but if, if if we're getting a peek back there uh, to see kind of what they want to do, will it come together or will Gary Payton just go back to the, the Warriors and go compete for a title? Will Bruce Brown end up heading to a, a team that's closer to contention than Portland? We'll see. But if that's the type of player Portland covets and, you know, trading for Josh Harden and Justice Winslow is like, oh, yeah, like a versatile defender who can play across multiple positions. Like you are getting a sense of the type of roster that Joe Cronin would like to build and that Chauncey Phillips would like to play with. A lot of stuff is going to happen between now and the next time we talk, which, um, quite frankly, brings me a little bit of anxiety because uh, it would be better timing if if uh, if all of the sort of news could be followed by a podcast the very next day. But this is Friday show. This is the first this is the first show of uh, of July. Welcome. We made it. Uh, I will be back on July 4th. I'm going to have a show. Um, it'll just be in your feeds on July 4th. Um, I'm going to record it um, Sunday evening. So w- there's going to be a bunch of stuff that happens. Kevin Durant might get traded, might not get traded. Well, follow what happens with Nurk, we'll follow what happens across the league. Uh, when the dust settles a little bit later next week, when the signings become official, we'll, we'll take a look at uh, all of the sort of free agent stuff. Blazers play a summer league game next Thursday and then again on next Saturday. So uh, the offseason is in full swing and you know where to to enjoy it. And that's Locked On Blazers five days a week wherever you get a podcast and also on YouTube. Tell your friends about this show and make it your first listen every single day. Come back next week. We're doing more of it. I appreciate you listening and I will talk to you soon. Bye.